Hello, divers. Welcome to another sweet, syrupy edition of the Deep Dive Microcast. This week, we'll dive into the delightfully delicious tale of an American institution, a butter-drenched beacon of light for weary travelers, and, of course, those nursing thunderous hangovers. The Deep Dive Microcast presents a brief history of Waffle House. you've ever taken it upon yourself to travel the highways and byways of the 48 contiguous United States of America, chances are you've seen the iconic yellow signage of the Waffle House. Perhaps you've even ventured inside to enjoy the restaurant's signature breakfasts, from biscuits to bacon, hash browns to hot coffee, and yes, waffles. The Waffle House has been feeding hungry folks from Pennsylvania to Arizona for decades. Of course, the chain is not alone in serving the needs of the famished early riser. You've got your Denny's and your IHOPs and to a lesser extent your Bickfords and Perkins, not to mention a thousand other local pancake houses. So what is it about Waffle House that makes it so beloved, especially in the South? Well, let's grab a booth by the window, order some coffee, and get into it. Waffle House was the creation of two men, Joe Rogers Sr. and Tom Forkner. The pair met when Rogers purchased a house in Avondale Estates, a suburb of Atlanta, from Forkner back in 1949. Rogers was working for a Tennessee-based diner chain called Toddle House. Forkner was a local real estate developer the two men decided they wanted to open a restaurant together that made people feel welcome, served good food fast, and was open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. While Rogers worked for the Toddle House Diner, he noticed that the top-selling item was the waffles. It was also the item with the highest profit margin. So in 1955, they opened the first Waffle House in the Georgia suburb where they lived. But like melted butter, Waffle Houses spread outside of Georgia and into southern states including Alabama, Louisiana, North and South Carolina, and Florida. During the 1950s and 60s, the interstate highway system expanded throughout the southeast. Waffle House outlets sprung up along major arteries like Interstate 95, which trails from the southern tip of Florida through Tennessee to northern Michigan, and I-85, cutting across Virginia and into Alabama. In less than a decade, Waffle House built up a chain of several hundred restaurants throughout the Southeast. Now, during the 70s and 80s, roadside fast food chains like McDonald's and Burger King began to dominate the landscape, followed closely by the expansion of larger sit-down restaurants like Shoney's and Cracker Barrel. Now, the American Diner, which once held court when it came to quick, 
easy, comfortable food and service declined in popularity. Yet Waffle House thrived. This despite the fact that Waffle House restaurants hardly changed at all and never really advertised either. It was all based on reputation and word of mouth. I mean, when was the last time you saw a Waffle House commercial? Now, in fact, there actually are a few, but they're all locally produced and not from corporate. We're asking people, why do you like Waffle House? You know what I really like best about a Waffle House? I can stop by here anytime, day or night, that I've been fishing and get good breakfast, lunch, or dinner. It doesn't matter what time I leave in the morning or what time I get done in the evening, I can come to a Waffle House. You know what I really like about it? When I end up in the doghouse, I can always come to Waffle House and get something to eat. In 1995, Waffle House was operating in 13 states and opened its 1,000th location, just a few blocks from the original Waffle House, which is now a museum devoted to the restaurant's history. One of those states was Indiana, except there was a tiny problem there. Another local restaurant chain had the rights to the name Waffle House. What to do, what to do? Well. You adapt. So for decades, the Indiana Waffle House locations were known as Waffle and Steak. That is until 2005, when they were able to switch to Waffle House. Hey kids, it's time for a fun fact. Waffle House restaurants used to serve Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches. They got approval from Chick-fil-A's owner, Truett Cathy, to sell the signature Sammies. That was until the chicken began to outsell the waffles, and you can't have that, so the partnership was ultimately dissolved. These days, Waffle House has an almost cult-like following, even from people who have never been to one. How does that work? Well, hand it to social media. And I'm not talking about Waffle House's official online presence either. Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube are not lacking in content about the restaurants. Although, most of them seem to involve nasty, sometimes violent altercations between customers and employees. Now, you gotta understand, when you have 2,000 locations and you're open 24-7, you're bound to have some patrons who perhaps have had uh, a bit too much to drink, or worse. Waffle House has also had a somewhat complicated relationship with the African-American community. In the 1960s, Waffle Houses in Atlanta served black civil rights protesters during a time when many local businesses denied them service. But in more recent years, Numerous complaints have come from both black employees and customers about their treatment at some locations. Now, despite the controversy, Waffle House continues to thrive. According to the company, they serve roughly 145 waffles per minute. Out of the nearly 2,000 locations, 
almost 700 are still owned by the company, while the rest are franchisees. The restaurant chain has certainly worked its way into American culture. You'd be hard-pressed to find a Southern-based stand-up comedian who hasn't done at least one bit about Waffle House. And even some who aren't Southern-based. Now, if you've never been to a Waffle House, just imagine a gas station bathroom that sells waffles. You've been to a Waffle House. I love Waffle House. And not just because watching someone fry an egg while they're smoking reminds me of my dad. It's the people in there. It's like a white trash convention. Or for me, a family reunion. It's so white trash in there, it makes the IHOP appear international. I've seen a gun five times in my life. Three of them have been a Waffle House. It's definitely a dangerous feel to them, you know? Even the Waffle House sign looks like a ransom note. There's always a letter out, occasionally it'll be the W, so it'll read Awful House. That's where I'm gonna go at 2 a.m. That's when everyone goes. Their slogan should be, it's 2 a.m., still time to make one more bad decision. Even the United States government has a use for the Waffle House. Specifically, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA. One of FEMA's mandates is federal disaster relief. Now, in the southern United States, that usually means natural disasters. Tornadoes, hurricanes, etc. One of the tools FEMA uses to assess damage done to a federal disaster area is called the Waffle House Index. No joke. Because Waffle Houses are in predominantly southern states, they have developed protocols to deal with locations hit by a natural disaster. They even have what are called Waffle House jump teams that can reopen a restaurant quickly after a disaster. And the chain also has different menus that it can roll out at a moment's notice based on things like power outages and water shortages. The Waffle House Index was created by Craig Fugit, who was the FEMA administrator in 2011. It's a three-color system. Green means that all the Waffle Houses are operating fully. Yellow means that a Waffle House may have to run a limited menu or run off of generator power. It's red when the restaurant is actually closed because of damage or severe flooding which really doesn't happen that often. The Waffle House Index has been used by FEMA as an indicator of how bad a certain area has been hit by a natural disaster. Oh, speaking of natural disasters, Jonas Brothers have, as of this recording, just released a brand new single called Waffle House. The song recounts life dealing with family arguments, parental conflict, and, quote, deep conversations at the Waffle House, end quote. And that's because nothing brings a family closer together than a plate of leavened batter or dough that is cooked between two plates that are patterned to give a characteristic size, shape, and surface impression with butter and syrup. Thank you, Wikipedia.
Hey kids, it's time for a fun fact. Did you know that Waffle House has its own record label? It's true. Since the mid-1980s, Waffle Records has released a number of catchy breakfast-themed ditties that can only be found on jukeboxes inside the restaurants. We're talking hits like There Are Raisins In My Toast, Over Easy, Grill Operator, Life Is Like A Cup Of Coffee, and my personal favorite, 844,739 ways to eat a hamburger. Well, I shrugged my shoulders and said, whatever you got. She looked at me and mumbled, what? I found out fast. That was the wrong thing to say. You heard that right. Now, even though, as I said, these songs are pretty much only found at jukeboxes and waffle houses, they actually are also available on Apple Music uh, and Spotify. So there you go. If you want to check them out, you can go right ahead. Waffle House founders Joe Rogers Sr. and Tom Forkner remained involved in the business even after they retired a decade ago. Sadly, both men passed away in 2017, less than two months apart from each other. So once again, the question remains, what is it about Waffle House that makes it the bull weevil of the restaurant business? You know, it's kind of endearing, sort of ridiculous, and maybe a little dangerous. It's also very, very Southern. You know, I think this is a good place to wrap this episode up. Uh, Sure, there's more to the Waffle House story, but now I'm hungry for waffles. Since I don't have a Waffle House near me, I guess I'll just have to make it myself. Thanks for listening. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. And we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at thedeepdivepodcast@gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to all of those and our merchandise store in the bio of our Instagram page. From all of us here at Studio D, which again is just me and my cat, Stay safe and take care. All clips used in the Deep Dive microcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. The Deep Dive Lounge theme was arranged and performed by Robert Acorn based on the original composition by Ryan Blaney. The Deep Dive microcast is a production of Automaton Studios.